0: Amen. Listen, I'm, I'm glad to be in God's house this morning. We continue to, to pivot however we need to pivot. You know, um, this week we were told that we can only have a certain amount of people in the building. Um, and so we're doing our best to accommodate, to have a healthy place. But we believe that we're not just fighting COVID. We're, we're fighting other viruses, that, that, that there is a spiritual warfare happening in our country. And we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. Listen, coming to church is not going to do it. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit if we're going to have the strength to overcome, but to live above the level of sin and mediocrity only through the Spirit of God are we going to be able to be the people that God has called us to be. Can you say amen? Amen. Take a moment and welcome some people this morning and tell them I'm glad you made it to church this morning. How are you this morning? How are you in the overflow? We got a massive overflow out there uh, trying to accommodate people. How are you forever? How are you at home, wherever you're watching from? So glad you made it. But I'm going to need extra help in the room because there's less people in the room. So we don't believe a church should be quiet. A quiet church is a dead church. So I need you to be a little extra this morning. Fake it until you make it, or faith it until you make it. However works for you. But we believe that church should be excited, should be alive, should be powerful. It should, it should be that life is in us. Because I didn't wake up this morning to go to a funeral. And you say amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our series that we started a few weeks ago. you have an assignment and what we're doing is we're breaking down what it means to be called by God and hopefully we're we're shedding light but also we're expanding this understanding of a calling because I think a lot of times we've shrunk this thing down to just a couple of things like you know the pastor and the worship leader but God never intended for just a couple of people to have a calling. God intended for everyone who receives his son Jesus and his spirit to have the calling in their lives. He said many are called, few are chosen. Right? Remember, today all over this country and nation, uh, people are going to go to church. But it doesn't mean they're receiving the calling of God. They may be in the building, but they may miss the calling. I pray that we don't miss the calling that God has for us. Can you say amen? amen? And uh, part of our calling here is to continue to reach out and, and see more people come to Jesus. So with this whole pandemic, we're doing our best to adjust. So we're going to pivot again next week. Here's what we're going to do next week. We're going we're to we're start a third service so we can have more people be able to come to church. So we're going to have a Saturday service now at 6 o'clock so that we can get more people in the building because... Believe me, when, God, when life gives you lemons, you open more services and you, and you get more people to come to God's house. So it next week, spread the word. We're going to have a Saturday service at 6 p.m. and then 9 o'clock, 9.15 and 9.11 on Sunday morning. But we're gonna not going to stop. I don't know about you. I get excited when things get shifted around a little bit because it's like my life is not going to be bored. I'm going to continue to pursue God and his will for my life. And I refuse to be satisfied with the status quo. Can you say amen? amen? Book of Colossians is going to be our reading this morning. We've talked about you have a call to community. You have a call to Jesus. Jesus, his first order priority when he started his ministry was to start a crew. And he picked 12 ordinary men. And he took him on a journey to transform the world. We talked about that last week, right? He said, come, follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people. So Jesus wants to take whatever you do for a living, and he wants to give you a greater purpose in doing it. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about call to work. Tell your neighbor, you got to work it. Tell your neighbor, work, 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 work. Tell your neighbor, you like Rihanna? Rihanna? Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Are you there? It says this: it says, work willingly at whatever you do. Circle that world, whatever. Okay, whatever you do, as though you were working for who? The Lord. Rather than for people, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. You're not serving your boss, Jimmy. You're serving Jesus. You're not serving Karen. You're serving Jesus. I can't get away from Karen. Karen. Well, you're serving Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. So my friends, you are called to work. Work is part of your calling. Work is part of the assignment that God has for you on this earth. Think about it. We spend majority of our time at work or school. So if that's the case, shouldn't God be involved in that? Shouldn't God be part of that process? Can you imagine? I don't know about you. I can't have Jesus take one hour off of my life. Because I will jack it up. So I can't imagine spending eight hours at work without Jesus. I will kill Karen. <laughs> I'm sorry, Karen. But Jesus wants to give your work a greater purpose. And that's what I want to pack with you This morning. See, when he said, I come, follow me, learn from me, and I'll teach you how to fish for people, he's saying, I have a greater assignment for you. I have a greater purpose for you. And that only is going to happen when you learn to work. Did you know the Bible says, even your salvation needs work? God says, I'll give you salvation, but there's certain things in you that it's part of you and what I want to do, but you got to work it. Right, can I prove it to you? In in Philippians chapter 2, he says this about your salvation. Look, he says, I'm gonna just pick up right from here. He says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. So he says, Hey, even your salvation needs to be worked. Right? Salvation for me is like a gym membership. Let's say someone said, hey, I've paid for your gym membership for a lifetime. You don't have to worry about your gym membership. But that doesn't mean they're going to pick up the weights for you. That's what salvation is. Salvation is, hey, you have free, unlimited access to the power and the will and the purpose of God, but you got to pick up some weights. Right, that's why this morning I'm saying, like, we can't just come to church and think, okay, I showed up, that's it. But I don't know about you, I never go to the gym and go, I'm here. Those weights look really nice. I love the way you pick up those weights. Or, oh, you should pick up bigger weights. In the meantime, I'm just watching you. See, that's how we do sometimes in church. We, 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 we analyze people, we criticize people, but if we're here like, just watching. Fire, if you want to fall down, you can. No, it takes work. It says work out your salvation. In other words, you got to pick up the weight of worship. You got to pick up the weight of prayer. You got to pick up the weight of serving. You got to pick up the weight of giving. You got to pick up the weight of asking. You got to pick up the weight of knocking. You got to pick up the weight of seeking. That's how you get to do the will of God, right? And so if you're wondering why your life is a little anemic, you got to ask the question, am I working out? Am I picking up the weights? Because I don't know about you, can you imagine if you only ate once a week? Imagine you decided, hey, from now on, I'm only going to eat one meal a week on a Sunday morning just going to have breakfast, and that's it, I'm good for the week. Unless you're fasting, because that's also another way. But the reality is, if we're really going to see the will of God, I can't just show up on Sunday morning to work out. I need to have a daily routine of working out the things that God has put inside of me to be able to come out of me, because when people go to the gym to work out, they're not adding muscle, they're just developing the muscle that's already inside of them. What God wants to do is already inside of you. He just wants to bring it out of you, and he won't bring it out of you if you don't work out. Tell your neighbor, you got to work out. And the beauty of this is, that, look, he said, look, for God is working in you. In other words, you wouldn't even have the desire to work out if God wasn't pushing you to work out. God is already at work in you. You wouldn't be here this morning if God was already ahead of you because you're not that smart to think that you should be in church. Especially, let me say this, especially during a pandemic, it's so easy to say, I'll just hang back. So this is part of the calling, is to work. Even your salvation needs work. Now remember, you're not earning salvation. Your membership is free. So you're not coming to earn anything. You're coming to develop what's already yours. Are you tracking with me? It's by praying, it's by reading your word, it's by joining a crew, it's by serving on a team, it's by witnessing the people. That's how you work out your salvation so that you can see the fullness of God in your life. Can you say amen? Tell your neighbor again, you got to work it. And then you got to go to work. I love the Bible because if i is so honest. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, hey, those who don't work shouldn't eat. How do you like those apples? You say, you don't work? Cool. You don't eat. (laughs) Don't you love the honesty of the Bible? Right? Because your job is another form of ministry. Please write that down. Your job is another form of ministry. It's another way that you glorify God and you show the world that God is in you. Even, let me say this because a lot of times, here's what we miss it, even if the job that you are in is not your dream job, you're still called to work it. Even if your job is temporary, you're still called to work it. And here's where a lot of people miss God, because they don't work what's in front of them, they never get to where they want to be. You want God to open doors for you, work with what's in front of you. See yourself, I want to I encourage us to do this, I want to challenge us to do something. I pray you see yourself at your job as the minister of that place. Did you know the Bible says that, that the spirit of the Lord is where his people are? So wherever you are, God is. I hope you understand God doesn't stay here on Sundays. He goes with us. Right? So I want to encourage us, can we see ourselves as the minister of the place where we work? How different would our attitudes be if we knew I'm the minister of this place? How would you approach your day-to-day knowing that the Holy Spirit is in you and He's calling you to bring Him to the place that you work? Mm -hmm. Remember, He said go into all the world. How is it that the Holy Spirit is going to go to all the world if I don't bring Him with me? He didn't tell me to, to bring it to your world. He says to bring it to my world. That's why I believe God brings us together on the weekend to give us our assignment to go and execute it in whatever world we find ourselves in. That's why you don't have to be in full-time ministry to be a full-time Christian. You bring this presence of God with you wherever you find yourself. I'm here to represent God to these people. Can you imagine how different our job would be if I stepped into my work and says, God, I am here to represent you to all these people around me. How different would our workplace be? Now let me ask you a deeper question. Do people see God in you or your job? When people see you, are they getting a glimpse of who God is? Because I don't know if we understand this, but the word Christian means little Christ. Am I reflecting Christ at my workplace? If I was to go to your job tomorrow and interview some of your coworkers about you, what would they say? Uh oh. What would they say? I pray they say, "Oh man, that guy." I, I, Listen, I don't understand anything, everything about this church thing, this Jesus thing. But I can tell you what: something different about that guy. There's something powerful about that guy. There, there's something. That should be what the world should see. The world should look at us and go, man, I really don't get hot with w- this whole like fire fall down thing, but there's something amazing about this person. This person is always on time, he's always positive, this person has a great attitude, this person is always ready to work, this person is ready to help, to help people. He's so compassionate, he's so merciful, he's so willing, he loves to help people. That should be a testimony to the world. Because here's the reality, most people will never read the Bible, but they're reading you. So when they read you, are they getting a little, at least a glimpse that there's something different about you because you carry the presence of God with you? Are you tracking with me? We spend most of our day at work or school. I tell students all the time, you spend eight hours with your friends at school, what are they seeing out of you? That's your job is to glorify God, is to make the most out of what's in front of you. Please write this down. Work is as sacred as going to church. Quiet in this Baptist church. (laughs) Work is as sacred as going to church. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible, God put a mandate on humanity to work. He said, Hey. We're going to make you in our image and likeness, and you're going to be fruitful, you're going to multiply, and you're going to work the land. Right? He says, I blessed you to work. Right? God is in the work with us when we are consciously bringing him to work with us. Right? It's about being more aware of his presence as we are working. Because if you're not aware of God's presence when you're working, then you're going to bring other spirits into your job. The spirit of complaining, the spirit of whining, the spirit of gossip, the spirit of mediocrity, all the things that doesn't look like the kingdom of God. Are you tracking with me? God wants to give your work a greater purpose. It's to fish for people because your life is a testimony unto the world. He says, be light and salt in an evil and dark world. The worst thing we can do as Christians is to hide ourselves when the world's getting darker. We ought to shine more. So that the world can see that there's hope still in this world. See your work as part of your calling. Even if it's not your dream job at the moment, I believe is what opens doors for what's to come. Because God is not going to bless you if you're not doing anything with what's already in front of you. I love seeing people live out their calling. You know, we have so many business men and women in our church. And the reason why we decorated the sanctuary today this way, because we want people to know that wherever you work, God is there with you. You know, we have mechanics in this church. And I I went to spend some time with one of them this week because I wanted to get his heart on how he sees God at work exactly where he's at. Tony... The man I'm about to introduce to you, I've met him uh, about seven years ago when I first moved here, and he's become one of the mechanics that we go to, and we have many of them, Matt Brum and other ones, and we're so thankful for people who understand that God calls them exactly where they are. So I went and I, I had a conversation with him, and I want to show you just a small glimpse of our conversation. You can watch the rest on our YouTube channel. So are you guys ready to back there? Here's a little bit about Tony. I'm here with Tony. Tony, do you remember one of the first times when we met? Do you remember that? Absolutely. <laughs> I remember my wife told
1: me about the church. but I was not I didn't know. It was you, Pastor Marco, and I was listening, I believe, to Hillsong music. Yes, Hillsong, yep. And I picked up my phone, and you walk in, and I was, I don't know, you were a pastor at the time still, <laughs> and I tried to shut my phone, my phone won't shut off. So and you approached me, and hey, yeah. Good morning, good morning. You say, oh, it's my, one of my favorite uh, group. Yeah. And picked up from there. Then you told me about the church. And I remember calling my wife. And I said, what church you go to? She said, New Life at Keith Middle School. I said, uh, yeah. What's the pastor's name? She said, Marco, young kid, you know, <laughs> young man, a very. Very, like, you know, energetic. I like the message. I say, okay, you want to speak to him? He's right here. <laughs> and this is how we start. I know. And
0: here, and it's been a, a great uh, journey ever since, I, man. How I, long
1: ago? Six, seven? Seven, since, not seven years now. I
0: think you just moved from Rhode yeah, Island. We had just moved. You just and moved from Rhode I Island. I asked my mother in law about a mechanic. Yes. And he, she recommended you.
1: Matter of fact, she called me. She said, I got my son in law coming over.
0: <laughs> yeah. So right now we're talking about this whole concept of every person we believe has an assignment from God, right? Of course. Uh, when when did yeah. when, when, when did you first feel that you were called to be a mechanic or, or work with cars? Well, it's <clears> been
1: <throat> the, the call probably when I came to the US, but it's always I grew up around my dad fixing cars. He's a mechanic, he's a taxi driver, he got his own taxis. And. I was 15, 14, 17, my dad fixed cars home constantly, so I'm always around car. When I came to the U.S., as a, you know, my community all in the business in the cars and the repair. So I went into it, I guess it's in me. Yeah. Being 15, 16, 17, around cars. My dad, you know, had the chain on the tree, pulling engine off the car, <laughs> put and drop dropping engine, you know, fixing tires. So I continued that pass once I came to the U.S. Uh, right away. So the call has been probably in me since I was 15, 16, always been around God. Yeah. And I went into it, and 33 years later in the U.S., I don't know what to do. I'll, I'll admit it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I really enjoy going to Tony's uh, shop, and uh, you can watch The Rest on YouTube. And, and he's got a powerful story. He's originally from Lebanon. It's a crazy story. He tells it. I don't want to spoil it, so go watch The Rest. Of, of this, but I just love be, seeing people live out their calling. You know, this, this Friday I was, I go to this place to study and, uh, and I like it to keep it, you know, a secret because I don't want you to run into me, but, but a police car pulled over next to me and I was like, uh-oh, what did I do? And, and this police officer comes out and, and it happened to be one of our female police officers that comes to the church and she's over here doing her calling of being a police officer. And she's been a police officer for 13 years. Which is awesome because I love to be able to say, like, God is spreading us out in all different areas of life. And I was telling her, I said, remember that you are positioned there by God to be a blessing to people. Every, everyone you encounter today, you remember you are representing God as a police officer. Can you say amen? amen. My friends, God says this in the Bible. He says, our job, please write this down is to manage what he's trusted us with. In other words, we don't own anything. It all belongs to him. Our job is to be good managers or stewards of what God has trusted us with. Everything from your time, your talent, your treasure, it all belongs to him. And he decided to give you those things. And he wants you to use him in a way that honors him and blesses people. Can you say amen? There's a story that Jesus tells to illustrate the kingdom of God. Actually, he tells a, a, a group of stories, but they're too long to read. So I'm going to give you the reference for you to go re- read it at home. Matthew 25, okay? Matthew 25, he tells three stories to illustrate the kingdom of God, right? The second story is a story that he said, he said the kingdom of God is like the man who was going on a long trip, and he decided to entrust three of his workers with a specific amount of money to invest. And he said, hey, I'm going to go away. When I come back, we're going to figure out what you did with what I trusted you with, right? So the first guy, he said he gave five talents, right? The five talents, listen to this. This is crazy. Five talents in the Bible days is equivalent to 20 years of a labor's wages 20 years right so he said hey, I'm trusting you with 20 years to invest the second guy he gave three talents okay and he says I'm trusting you to invest this and you'll give an account to me when I get back and then the third guy he gave one talent remember one means 20 years are you tracking with me so the, Jesus says that the man goes away and then he comes back one day to kind of like settle the scores with these managers. He calls a manager stewards. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm trusting you with these things. When I come back, I want to see what you did with them. The first guy doubled the five. He doubled the five. And, 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 and Jesus said that the owner says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in the little. I'm going to give you even more. I'm going to trust you with even more because you were faithful with what I trusted you in the first place. The second guy also doubles the talent and he says, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful, so I'm going to trust you with more. Welcome to my joy and happiness. Now the third guy who had one said, hey, I didn't know what to do with it. I know you were a hard man. To please, So I decided to, to hide it. I, I, I just, I just hid it on the ground and waited for you to return so you can just have it as it was. And Jesus said that the owner tells this one guy, you are a wicked, lazy servant. Because you didn't do anything with what I trusted you with. And then he goes on to say, at least you could have done was invested my money. that at least I can get some interest when I got back. It's a powerful story of what God is trusting us with. What are we doing with the very things that's in front of us to do, right? What's fascinating about the story, though, here's what blows my mind about the story. What blows my mind about the story is that the owner, which represents God, never told them what to do with it or how to do it. He just told them, I'm expecting a return on my investment. Now, we're going somewhere here. Hear me on this. A lot of people are waiting around looking for a sign instead of acting on what God's already put inside of you. This is where my problem is with church people sometimes. You know the people that every five minutes tells you God told them? Uh, Well, apparently, according to this story, God's not going to always tell you what to do. God is trusting you that as you're working out your salvation, he is revealing what you need to be doing. So he's not going to be every five minutes reminding you what you need to do because he's already equipped you with wisdom, with strength, with guidance to be able to do what he's called you to do in the first place. And if you're not doing it, you're just being a wicked, lazy servant. How do you like Jesus when he comes down on us? The beautiful blue light shampoo Jesus. Once in a while he drops the hammer. And says, You a wicked lazy servant. That doesn't make your devotional books, does it? But watch this. He the third guy just assumed that the owner was gonna be okay with that. Instead of acting, at least he could have done this. He could have asked the other guys, hey, what are you guys doing? how were you guys investing? See, that's that struggle sometimes. We get so caught up in our own little world with all our assumptions, and we don't, instead of asking questions to grow, we just settle. Right. So. Instead of asking someone like Tony who runs a business, how do you do it, we just assume. Instead of asking questions. I believe that one of the signs in life that growth is happening is how many questions are we asking. Instead of just assuming that we know the answer. He assumed and missed out on God's plan because he didn't do anything with what was already in front of him to do. Can you say amen? So my friends, the Bible says that your life is an investment. Your life is an investment. God invested in you by giving you certain gifts and abilities. If you're saved, you have at least one gift. At least one. And sometimes... You may not know what that is, but the, that's the whole purpose. The purpose is to pursue him so you can understand fully what he's calling you to do. It's not about sitting idle by and just say, I don't know what to do. You know, the Bible says that waiting on the Lord means that I'm doing everything that I can't do and trust him to do the things that only he can do. Right? So it's about Investing. He never tells them what to do. He expects them to work it out. The owner represents God here, and he expects him to invest what's in front of him. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. And I love what the writer says in chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes. Watch this. I love this. He says, look, send your grains across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places. For you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Keep going. Watch this, I love this. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of the tiny baby in his mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. So keep going. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if, if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. How awesome is that? Some people are waiting for, <laughs> is it today? Today? <laughs> Like some people didn't come to church today because they didn't feel something. Right, right. How many know those people are losing? Yeah. How many you know tomorrow morning, Monday, you don't not going to feel like going to work. <laughs> yeah. Lord, is it your will for me to work today? <laughs> right? No, it's about doing what's right in front of you, and venture out. This is what I'm saying. You are one person, but there's many things in you. So why limit yourself? right? Like Why not venture out to the different things that's coming to mind and heart? I think if we were to interview those guys who multiply that investment, they probably were doing different things to make it work. So why not pay attention to what's already in front of you and work the field that's in front of you? I remember... This passage really spoke to me when I was in my college days, I started to feel that I was called to ministry. I was doing it, but I felt like, man, I think I'm called full-time to this thing. So at that point, I was in a community college and I went to visit a school in Quincy, Eastern Nazarene College. And they have this encounter weekends where you can go and kind of explore the school. But I remember as I was exploring the school, I was conflicted, man. Am I supposed to transfer and come here? And I remember going to a private room because I was like, man, I need some, I need some clarity, I need some wisdom, I need, I need, I need, I need the word. And I remember sitting in a room by myself. and started reading my Bible, and that's what I read. And it, and it spoke to me that if I, don't, if I don't act, I'm going to be idle, that I can't wait for the clouds to line up, but I need to make a move and trust that God is in that move with me. And my friends, that was the right move. Because I moved there, and, I, and, I, and that's where I got my degree. But honestly, the degree was secondary to the experience that I got there. But most importantly, it's where I met my wife. And, 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 and that's where our relationship began. And watch this. God connects all the dots because we always prayed and believed that we were supposed to do a work somewhere. We had no idea where that was going to be. But she's originally from the Bedford. So all of this was God orchestrating his plan and purpose. If I would have waited to just hear, Behold, <laughs> you shall go to Eastern Nazarene College. I would have missed the calling of God because I never acted waiting for God to always be audible when God sometimes speaks to your inner being. So you got to work with what's in front of you. You might be a student right now. I believe the way that you are a student right now is going to open doors for the future for you. The way that you are carrying yourself right now, you are setting yourself up for what's to come. So you are giving at least one gift or one talent that you need to work it. The more you work your gift, the more fruits and doors opens up. And notice, he said, "I'm calling you to be fishers of men," which means whatever your calling is, it's always going to be attached to serving someone. Your talent is never about you. Can you imagine a world without mechanics? You imagine that for a second. You imagine we had no mechanics. Some of y'all are definitely not going to work. (laughs) I know how lost I would be without mechanics. Can you imagine a world without doctors? My wife and I love our primary doctors. We have a relationship with our primary doctors. Like, we love them. I've prayed with my doctor, you know. Like, I, I appreciate what he does. Right? Can you imagine the world without the different talents and gifts. But can you imagine if all those people decided, this is mine, it's for me. Can you imagine Tony says, this shop is for me. Don't bring your cars here. I set this up for me. Right? All the gifts that we have, all the talents that we have is to serve others. God didn't give me the gift to preach for myself. I just wrote a book. He didn't give me the gift to write that book for me. He, wrote, he said, I want you to serve me this way. And I want you to serve others by using what I'm giving you, by entrusting you to give. And the reality is this. The more we give our gift away, the more God blesses us. And the more we hoard our gift, the more stressed we are. And the more worried we are. Why? Because now God is not blessing it. We are trying to bless ourselves. Remember the story that Jesus told about the guy who accrued so much? And he's like, man, now that I have so much, I'm finally going to rest. And he said, you fool, today I'm going to require your soul. Because we think it's about hoarding. We live in a society who loves to hoard. Like me, myself, and I. Even, Even church people can be so selfish. But it's all about what you give away. The more you give it away, the more it comes back to you. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your gift, your talents, your, your time, your energy. It's about how you are serving others that God says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because in giving, it's when you receive. So it's about being useful with what God is trusting me with. I don't want to be a lazy servant who hid what God trusted me with. Are you tracking with me? It's about our choices. Think about this. There are millions, if not billions, of people in the world who are selfish with what God has trusted them with. Don't you think? Let me just let me just make our minds think a little bit. I believe this is not just me, this is this is this is research that's been done. We have enough resources to feed the entire world. But we're too selfish to do it. There should be no homeless people. But we're too selfish. To make room for more people. So the problem is not resources. The problem is, is what we're doing with the resources that we God has trusted us with to help others. That's the reality. You know that one year they did a research in America. They said the amount of money that we spent on ice cream in one year can feed the whole world. And ladies, can I mess you up? Research shows that the amount of, the amount of money you spent on makeup in one year can feed the nation. True story. <laughs> it's about being useful, exactly where you are. If you're if you're a churchgoer, you've heard Jeremiah twenty nine eleven right? You, everybody knows. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, to give you hope in the future. But sometimes it's too bad because we just stop there. We don't read the whole thing. You got to read the whole thing. It's beautiful. Watch this, Jeremiah 29 says this, look, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile, pray to the Lord for it, for his welfare will determine your welfare. I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, the plans to prosper, will give you a open the future, but guess what? Work for the good and the welfare of the place that you're in, because the more that place prospers, you prosper. I believe this with all my heart. Ever since we moved here seven years ago, the more people get saved and get right with God, the better citizens they become. And the better citizens they become, the better the city becomes. The better the city becomes, the better the region becomes. Like every time some of you, you share your praise report, we bought a house, guess what? The city prospers. Right? When, when we are able to, to get people to, 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 to find a place to live, the city prospers. So all of us are working for the well-being of our city when we're not being selfish with our resources. When you're serving someone, you're prospering the city. Yes, Yesterday, we were back here serving people by giving them just a box of food. Guess what? We're helping people prosper. We're helping people heal. We're helping people get restored. We're helping people get blessed. The more you give, the more you receive. Can you say amen? amen? It's about being useful. Please write this down exactly where you are. Exactly where you find yourself. Say, God, how can I be useful here? If you go to school, God, how can I be useful here? You're in between jobs. How can I be useful here? Don't wait for the weather. To align, because it's never going to. It's about being useful here. I've told the story many times, right? When we moved here, Time Magazine had an article that said, Hey, America, welcome your new Sodom and Gomorrah. They said the least Bible minded cities in America in 2014 was Providence in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And that was the year that God said, Go there and be a blessing to the welfare of that city. So there's, there's three ways to work, my friends. I want to wrap this up with John Bevere, which I highly recommend his book, Multiply Your God given Talents. We have it in the resource center. He said this. He said, There's three ways to work, right? You can work to build a kingdom, you can work to benefit yourself, or you may not work at all. It's all in our choices of how we want to go about our business. It's no surprise, right? that some of the richest people in the world are the most miserable people in the world. But can we be honest? It's no surprise that some of the poorest people in the world are the most miserable people in the world too. Because it's all about how you're spending your resources. You can be poor and miserable, you can be rich and miserable. It's all about how am I using what God has trusted me with. Build the kingdom, benefit yourself, or not work at all like that wicked, lazy servant. We didn't do anything with what God trusted him with. I believe that we're called to multiply our resources. Time, talent, energy, money, gifts, abilities. They're not ours to keep. They're ours to spend for others to be blessed. And as we do that, we're blessing ourselves. That's the beauty of what God's put inside of us. Right? That's how you fish for people. Because if you're doing your job well, you're honoring God. If you're doing your, listen, get this. If you're doing your job well, people will notice. If you're doing your job mediocre, people will also notice. And I believe the test of our character is what we do when no one's around. Because God notices So I want to work as I'm working for the Lord. But working, here's the catch, though. He said, work willingly like you're working for the Lord, not for people. But guess what? You're working to bless people. Because the Lord doesn't need your job. The Lord doesn't need mechanics. People do. The Lord doesn't need doctors. People do. But the Lord says, the way you do it unto me is how you show in the world that that I'm in you. That's how you fish for people. That's why I believe the greatest way for you to win someone for Jesus is to be a living testimony where you are. That people wonder, what is it about you? What is it that you have that I don't have? How is it that you can continue to have a positive attitude? We were joking yesterday when we were putting the, the overflow together. We were like, man, you know what's cool about this? We will never be bored. We can whine. Complain about it, he can scream, or we can say, hey, let's roll with it and see what God will do this time around. So let's, let's stand and pray together this morning. If you're here, you have a gift. You have a talent. If you're not dead, he's not done. So can we pray as God's people that we will be the ones to represent him well wherever we find ourselves no matter where you work you is the church you bring God with you you bring his presence can I challenge us with something don't go to work without praying for your place of work don't go to work without asking the Lord to bless your classmates if you go to school. Don't, don't go without asking God. I don't understand what it means to be a boss. I just want to pray for my boss today. I don't want to criticize him. And let me, let me give you a hint here. You might have boss status in you, but God's not going to trust you with boss status if you can't bless your boss where you are. You know, the adi- your attitude is the difference between a promotion or a demotion. So why not be the ones that are positioned to prosper, like guys like Joseph and Daniel, who just position themselves and says, "I'm going to do everything I can to be a blessing to those in front of me, because I'm not doing it for them, I'm doing it for the Lord, but I, the way that I honor God is by honoring them. There's a lack of loyalty and honor in our society. It's everywhere. It's in the church. It's in the world. But God's people, we're called to be people of honor and loyalty and respect and integrity. You know, with all this challenge that we're facing, we're gonna bless our city. We're gonna bless them because they're just doing a job. We're gonna pray God bless them. Bless our mayor, bless our health inspector, bless the building inspector, bless the councilman, bless the senators, bless the congressman, the congresswoman, bless the governor, bless the president. Listen, I want to bless. I want to bless. I don't want to curse because I don't want that to come back on me. And I don't want it to be on my kids. Let's pray to be God's people exactly where he calls us to be. Would you join me in prayer? Lift your hands to the Lord. Let's pray together. Open your mouth, pray with me. Spirit of God, we want to be who you've called us to be. God, we want to embrace the assignment you've given us. I pray that your spirit is so real in us that there there is joy in us. There's peace, there's grace. God, I pray that we walk into our workplace as the ministers of that place. People, they don't have to know. We don't have to say it out loud. We just know in our hearts I'm here to be the minister of this place. God, I pray, bless our attitudes. Bless our mouth. I pray that our only words that are edifying will come out of our mouths. Bless our motives and intentions, Lord. God, I pray that with everything that we do, we are blessing you by blessing others. And I pray, God, as we do that, continue to provide for us, continue to take care of us, continue to open doors for us, continue to make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I pray we are the light and salt. We're exactly where you find us. So, Holy Spirit, we are giving you green light to have your way. God, we want to hear you say, Well done. Well done. Whatever you trusted us with, we want to do everything we can to honor you. Well done. Maybe you're here today online, you've never trusted Jesus as the Lord of your life. It all starts when you trust the Lord to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Maybe online or the overflow room on, on the Fall River, we have so many rooms now. I want to pray for you today. If you've never trusted Jesus to be the Lord of your life, don't just go to church. you got to surrender your lives to the Lord. you you got to submit to his will and his purpose. God's not going to force his way in your life. You have to give him the green light. So if you're here today or you're watching, you've never trusted in Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me before we go? Would you say, say, say but you got to say it from your heart. It's got to be real. It's got to be that you really want this. Ask him. Invite him into your life. Say, Lord, come into my life. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to mold me and shape me. I want to I be able to know that I am saved, I'm yours, but I want to be useful in your hands. So fill me with your spirit today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthclose.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.